The important thing is to listen to people and to see what's going on inside them. Welcome to Mental Health Uncensored. I'm Yehuda Rostin. And I'm Slimy Balsam. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining us again. This is, this is awesome. Yeah, this week we are discussing a harder, uh, more intense subject. Something on everyone's mind, whether they're in Israel now or in the States, anywhere in the world, really. Yeah. This is an issue that is, uh, it's unfortunate. It has its silver lining. There's... Brought together, clients so like nothing has ever. I don't know historically since like Harsina. I don't know. It, it's yeah. the Achdus is amazing. Unfortunately, the Achdus was brought about through tragedy, and this as the war in Eretz Israel has and the blatant anti-Semitism across the world. The effects are are rippling. Yeah, and and. We know that this anti-Semitism is, is, I'm sure, if you've heard any speeches, that anti-Semitism is what a said brings us together, but also separates us from the game. Yeah, yeah. And as nice as the outcome is, the path to get there is extremely painful sometimes. Yeah. For some people, that could be extremely even debilitating in some cases. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the pain. We, I sat down with Rebbe today, and I asked him how we should address the trauma that's being caused by the war. It's a very open-ended question because everyone is experiencing the trauma, processing it in their own way or trying to process it in their own way. And I specifically left it very broad when I asked the question. And Baruch Shemar came through as always and really categorically nailed down, I believe, every reaction that someone could possibly wow. be having. <clears throat> Okay, I'm excited to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually just something interesting I want to share with you. I was talking with a relative of mine on the phone, mm-hmm. and they said that Rabbi Matisio Solomon died yeah. this past week. And they told their six year old son, and he started crying. Wow. Now, first, my first reaction was, like, how is it, like, what is, what is the six year old? No. And then I realized that even he has a way of processing stuff, he knows that something sad just happened. And his reaction, which is extremely healthy, sure, in a crazy way, he was just like he just cried for like a few minutes. He was like really sad because like somebody Haley died. Um, <clears throat> so that being said, we all have our own reactions to stuff, regardless of how much you understand. Someone could understand X amount of war. They could be watching all the news and they could be really, really scared. Someone could be they know someone personally in the war. And process it X way, you know, and, and, and regardless of your intellect, we're talking about a six-year-old who's able to cry that someone passed away. So regardless of your intellect, regardless of what you understand about yourself, we all process it somehow. Yeah. Yeah, everyone has a stake in, the, in these events one way or another just by being a Jew or there you know, there's the actual soldiers and then there's the families of the soldiers. I mean, that's just, you know, however many soldiers there are, their entire families are deeply affected in some ways I, I can imagine more than the soldiers themselves yeah yeah it's, it's a lot of times we have that in life that the, the well the Yitzhar really does that to us a lot that the the idea of something is more intense than the actual thing itself yeah you know we we 
you know, they deal with that a lot. We think, let's say, someone wants to say it, Lashon Hara. They're so excited to say it, but when they say it, it's, it doesn't make them feel good. It's nothing, you know? Sure. And how we process what the soldiers are going through and what these families are going through. A, we process it maybe more intense, but B, we process it differently. They process it maybe as sadness. We process it sometimes as it's unknown fear. But let's get into it a little bit more detailed. I didn't listen to the recording yet, so I'm going to, you know, just give a little, little shot at it. I do not, this area of of dealing with, like, war traumas, I, I, I've never even thought about it mm-hmm. until today. So I'm going to try to broach the subject quite subtly and just open it up, really, because I don't... I don't really know this area at all, and I couldn't, you know, finish the thought process on this one. So, I want to start off by saying that the initial fear of, like, of, of all these things, a fear of anything, whether it's being attacked, which in some cases is a real fear, whether it's fearing for your brothers and sisters, it's not unfounded, and it makes sense. We get scared. It's a natural instinct, limbic response, as... as uh, Shalim, I'm sure you know, right? We the limbic response is the response in our brain, which is a reactive. You know, if someone throws a ball and you quickly flinch. Mm. It's dubbed the limbic response, which is the the guy uses as a proof to evolution is the animal side of the brain. Mm. Um, that is, but uh, so that it's very natural. Fear is very natural, and it's and it's a survival instinct. The way you survive, if someone runs into the room with with something dangerous, and you hide without thinking, or you jump on there something. That's great. That's great. <laughs> exactly. Marabu. The problem comes when that fear is detrimental to us. As long as the fear is, um, I wish the episode of detrimental was tremendal. I feel like that would be. That'd be nice. <laughs> if our fear was tremendal to us, meaning if the fear was beneficial to us, instrumental. That's a real word, actually. Yeah. <laughs> if the fear was instrumental to us, it would cause us to do a wide variety of things, such as have more protection, go and help out. Um, get closer to other Jews create more of a beauty in the camaraderie in Judaism and, and look at it in a more favorable way that that um, we can be more excited about talking to Jews and, and having more of a family mm-hmm. and then obviously you know fight or flight it could be used and, and, and debilitating to somebody it could be that the person can't get out of bed that they're extremely, extremely scared, and it's it's a, a totally debilitating, which is obviously a bad thing. Now, to get through that, I obviously don't know what to do, which is why you're here, and Rebbe's here. And the third option I had was just numbness, was the actual turning off the whole thing, which is, I think, possibly the worst, because you're not really associating yourself with anything, and you don't have the ability to cope if you don't know the feeling exists. Right. Which is kind of scary. So, um, I hear you saying fight, flight, or freeze. Exactly. Three basic, you know, responses to very well said. This like energy that's being thrown at us. It could take us somewhere good. It can take us somewhere bad, or it could freeze us. Yeah, and and no one's to blame for feeling these ways. It's it's a it's it's funny because we weren't prepared for this, and how much stories we hear in Tanakh. It's not something you think about really. We do, you know, do time to time think about the Holocaust, but to make it real, that people extra threatening you, and if you were Zeicha, and I mean Zeicha to feel it, because even living in Israel, we're in a keller right now, and, and you don't feel it. When you walk in, you don't feel it on the streets anymore. 
You don't. I, right when it started, you felt it in the streets. You don't feel it anymore. There's a palpable emotion in the air. At, at some point, the job turned to try and feel it, to regenerate and recognize that it's been going on for so long. You know, it's not just a, an explosion. It's an ongoing explosion. And exactly. At a certain point, you get used to the noise. Exactly. I feel like this is like opens a whole new door to trauma in general. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that literally what you said about getting used to trauma. I think we should talk about that. I don't know if we're going to get into that. Yeah. But yeah, that's just my basic, you know, can opener. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a, a mass trauma for an entire nation. Uh, people who didn't even realize they were part of a nation. So they're like, hold on a second. These people are angry at me. They're hateful against me. I didn't even realize that I was a Jew. That had nothing to do with my life until people are, you know. Acting out. It's actually fascinating it's, I just, yeah. how you said that. Just struck me mm-hmm. as you said it. I know a lot of therapies are based on having knowing that you're not alone. Yeah. The twelve steps, I think, is primarily focused on the fact that you share with other people. They share with you. Mm-hmm. The way you said, you said mass trauma. It kind of makes the trauma more comfortable. I hate to use that word. Bearable. Bearable. I don't want to say bearable because it could still be debilitating, but it's more, mm. I don't know the word, but the fact that you look in the streets and everyone, your neighbors all going through the same thing as you. It's a joint experience. Yes. A very much shared experience, which, you know, con- a common enemy makes a friend, whether you like it or not, whether you like it or not. And, and the reason for that is, I don't know the reason for that. <laughs> I, I've, th- I've had many theories about this, but we'll talk about that at a different time. Anyways, I would love to hear what Ruby said about this. All right. Here we go. Okay. On the record, um, we're in the middle of a war, and everyone is processing the trauma, the present traumatic stress disorder in their own way. How should we address that? Um, there are so many different things going on to different people. Uh, you know the, the the stress, the stress, the trauma, the post trauma, is so different to different people. The first thing you do in all of these situations is listen. You have to hear people talk and see where where what's what's going on inside them. For some people, it's fear. For some people, it's trauma, depending what they were exposed to. Really, depending on what they're exposed to, for some, of course, it's both. For other, for others, it's it's uh, maybe even a feeling of guilt for not for not feeling enough. It's very hard to to you know to give this this one cure for everyone. The important thing is to listen to people and to see what's going on inside them. Everyone needs listening to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one thing that, that's true across the board. Okay. I, mean, I, I, I met people that were there, you know, that, that were, I met survivors, and uh, uh, there's a whole range there also. There are some that are all exuberant, obviously, covering up for something. There are others that are just shell-shocked, and they're, 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 yeah, shell shock. I mean, that's what they look like. Uh, um, 
yeah, so for them, I mean, they're, uh, as far as I understand, there's a lot of EMDR going on there, and, uh, um, but it's not, a, it's not enough, it's not enough, it's, uh, yeah. Will time help? Not if you don't do anything. Yeah, our coping, our coping mechanisms don't necessarily heal things. They, they usually make us a little more disconnected. And there's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, fear, anxiety, and uh, trauma. Um, a lot of that uh, bottled up somewhere inside. And uh, the old rule, we learn, uh, the longer you leave it there, it's, it's, it's cooking away and one day just blows up in your face. You know, you don't know what the trigger's going to be. Or, or else you just become a totally detached person. You're, you're, you're just not tuned into your emotion anymore. That's awful. Okay. What do you think? First of all, beautiful as always. The first thought was that maybe didn't say enough, but now as I actually think about it, he said everything. You know, what our idea is, whoever's listening to this, and if you're someone that went through it, really where to get and what to look out for. You know, a little bit of uh, in a little in a little speech that he gave. Yeah. He told you what to look out for, coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. what to and how to deal with people. Um, but as a therapist, I want I want, I want you to see, you know. So he, start this off. I mean, we did go into some very uh, deep, insightful uh, EMDR is obviously a a, th- a therapeutic term. I'll get to that in a second. To recap what Rebbe said, um, I pulled out. Six points. Um, number one, it's different for absolutely everybody. Uh, I, I found here the uh, ICRC, the International Committee of the Red Cross. You think that like war is a soldier's issue? Ninety percent of casualties in the twentieth century during war were civilians. Ninety percent. Soldiers are ten percent. Over the entire all the nineteen hundreds, you know, wow. the big wars. Yeah, um, th- there's uh, millions of people a year who are displaced because of wars. Uh, I, I did a comzitz uh, in Malka a couple of weeks ago. For there are cities and cities and cities up north, down right, south. Right, right, right. You know, uh, bar mitzvahs. Like I was going to be in a hole. The hole doesn't exist anymore. You know, like. Besides for all the children, dealing with displacements and loss and uh, exposure to even, violence. We really can't even comprehend not at all. Um, displacement. And yeah. that's not even the big one. That's just like a little bit inconvenient. You have to move your house. Yeah. Obviously, maybe you're attached emotionally to it, but... They say moving is uh, just top ten traumas. Yeah, but yeah. a little kid seeing violence like that, you can't, you but, can't undo right. that. Wrap that up in wartime... Uh, context, 100%. So what, where is that EMDR? You want to you explain that to yeah. me? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So that's when he was talking about the survivors. Um, first, he said, no matter what the issue is, no matter who you're talking to, listen. Listening works. 
across the board. There are even modes of therapy. There are models, uh, Carl Rogers, that the entire therapy was just yeah, listening. Wasn't, it wasn't his his theory that just that, that's the whole thing. Yeah, his theory is that listening is the whole therapy. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely onto amazing things, and that is the basis of all therapy: empathic listening, one hundred percent. But Rebbe said, you know, you're not going to figure out what this person is going through unless you listen. Yeah, there. He said, when you listen to someone, you hear them talking it out. You'll hear whether it's fear, whether it's trauma, whether it's both, whether it's fear of being traumatized. You have people who are totally disconnected from the war, but they heard a siren. Yeah, little kids in school or parents. Sirens are freaky. Sirens open up the gate for there might be a massive tragedy happening in the next few moments. That's terrifying. Run for cover, right? Also, the simple association of the first siren that we heard mm-hmm. and after we found out what it was. Yeah. I remember feeling <clears> that <throat> boom. I could still feel it in my chest. How's that? We were at during Yizgar on, on some Chastair. You feel, you feel the, the impact in the air. And that was like miles away. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't overhead. Um, and you still, you felt it. And even if there's a fear of hearing another siren, once you, you experienced that shake up the fear of the fear yeah nothing to fear but fear itself oh there you go yeah but it, it's freaky yeah. yeah it's definitely what to fear and then there comes the people like us who aren't necessarily in the thick of it and at a certain point we're not feeling it as much the Tehillim has become a routine and and then there's a feeling of guilt of you know there are people who are putting their lives on the line for us people who are losing their lives for us for Kalani Israel. Is that guilt bad? None of this is bad. None of this is bad. Fear isn't bad. Even trauma isn't bad. Like you said, that's a healthy reaction. The question is what you do with it. If you use this guilt to propel yourself to work and reattach and feel it and closer to Hashem and more, but this is something that's amazing. Um, but Rabbi said next that there is no one cure for everybody. There is no one cure, but listening always helps. Now, when he was talking to the survivors, and this is where the EMDR comes in, he, he you know, these are people who really, you know, they were hit by the rocket, so to speak, uh, and, and much worse. So there are different reactions. You have those who put on an exuberant, joyous uh, shell, and that was a way of coping for whatever was cooking inside. And then there was shell shock, and this is where EMDR comes in. Um, this is, EMDR is a form of reprocessing specific traumas. It's, it's actually, it's very uh, computer-like. It's reprogramming. You, you call up a specific memory, a traumatic memory, and you, there, there's a whole bunch of steps to it, but essentially, by doing this bilateral movement, um, it's, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Right? It was invented in the 1980s by Francis Shapiro. The idea is that in some way of doing some bilateral stimulation, whether it's looking side to side, just following your therapist's fingers back and forth, or a COVID, they were doing this over Zoom, you could just tap yourself either on your legs or you know, cross your arms, give yourself a little hug and tap your shoulders. While pulling up and reimagining, reliving that traumatic memory, this bilateral stimulation in some way or another, no one's, we're not really sure how it works. Obviously, you know, we're still working on these theories, but 
you, it's, it, you're able to reopen up that trauma and replace the thoughts that you attach to it with more positive thoughts that you would like to think. Um, and you really reprocess it. You, and this is a, a proven method. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It works. Um, again, you could, you could look up videos of uh, actual sessions. Um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It, it's, it's, it's really groundbreaking, but um, it, it's, it's an effective treatment for a PTSD. Right. Wow. So I want to jump back to listening for a second. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like everyone in the world, and especially a lot of people, are going to be listening to this in America. We're not personally a part of the war. And, and a lot of it is, he, is dealing with your own and hearing out other people's trauma and how they're dealing with it. A lot of people know people in it, in the war. So as a therapist... Do you have any tips on listening? How to listen. Exactly. I know it sounds like something silly, but I feel like it's really, uh, like you said, from Carl Rogers. Yeah. It's something that, if it would have been done always, he never would have come up with his theory because it wouldn't be needed. Yeah. I wonder if people used to be naturally empathic listeners. And, like, at some point, we stopped. Maybe it was through World Wars. I don't know. And then Carl Rogers was like, hold on, folks. Listen, um, but you know, you really, you can, uh, there are videos and then step-by-step uh, training, different tips, how to listen empathically. Um, there's, you know, mirroring and uh, reflecting. There's just repeating back. This is a crazy one. Uh, try it on someone who you didn't listen to this podcast with. You literally say back the exact words that a person tells you. He tells you, I'm having a bad day, and you tell him, you're having a bad day. It's, 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 it's the easiest exercise because you don't have to come up with any lines. It requires no creativity. And what it does is it tells the other person, I heard you. Right? Nodding is good. Eye contact is good. Taking out your earbuds, putting down your phone, that's good. When you say back the thing that he says to you, uh, you know, it helps to put in the emotion and realize, you know, oh, you're having a bad day. But just those words coming out of someone else's mouth lets me know that they heard they heard me. And it, it it's a silent encourager to continue talking. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> That's listening. Um, I asked Rebbe then whether time would help. And he said, not necessarily. He said, time heals all. That's not true. Because <laughs> um, we come up with coping me- mechanisms, which could be shell shock, it could be just freezing, it could be um, any form of escape, or it could just be bottling up our emotions. If we bottle up over time, then it will, you know, it can just one day be triggered and explode. So right. time is not necessarily on our side with things like this. Very interesting. Very interesting. Listening and encouraging people to talk lets them release some of that so that it doesn't get bottled up. After the Holocaust, survivors, many survivors did not say a word. They can't put it into words. Rabbi Kiva says that when you put something into words, it makes it finite. Words are finite. Lashon HaKadosh a little less, but words are finite. When you put it into words, it becomes something that I can handle. It becomes a thing instead of an, an entire experience, which is just overwhelming. If you could get someone to talk 
and really listen, you've gone a long way. And just to clarify, when we're talking about listening and these tips how to listen, this is not tricks. You know, this is not like some mind tricks to fake the other person. This is actually how to care and how to listen. And the first step to that is when you look at the person to know that he is your brother. He's another Jew. He's your brother. And you care. That's a way of showing that you care. I do want to make one point about PTSD. PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder. It's only a disorder if you're stressed post the trauma, which means that even though the trauma's over, you're still reliving it. You still have those visual flashbacks. You still feel it in your gut. During the trauma, you should be traumatized. That is a healthy thing. Someone who's going through a war stone cold, he's in shell shock. He's in, shell shock is actually an old term that they coined for PTSD before. Is that word shell shock? Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah, soldiers had shell shock. Um, but it's healthy and normal to be afraid, agitated, stressed. Exactly. That's good. When you're on your way to a bomb shelter, you should be frazzled. That's good. The question is, do you still feel that exact same stress or something that high after it's all calmed down, two weeks later, if you're still having that reaction to sirens, to passing by a bomb shelter, anything, any of those triggers, that's when we're looking at PTSD. This is the tip of trauma. It's the tip of, of everything that's happening. This is unprecedented, uh, especially for a generation like ours. We're not a particularly strong uh, emotionally. Oh, <laughs> pretty yeah. fragile, but cholesterol is proving to be Incredibly valiant. Yeah, very resilient. <laughs> yeah, that's the word. Very, very resilient. Wow. Okay, Beis Hashem, this should be a, uh, a study of the past. Hard subject, hard subject. But we, yeah, we all just have to be better listeners, better brothers, yeah. better siblings, Best better sisters. Do. do what we can. Absolutely. And Beis Hashem, Hashem should send us Yeshua's and Achamas. It's only be... Uh... Amen. Thank you for joining us. And uh, God willing, to the next episode... We'll be about Mashiach. Oh, man.